Chapter 42 of Gunsight Pass How Oil Came to the Cattle Country and Brought a New West by William McLeod Rain. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Shorty is Awakened. The eyes that looked into those of Joyce in the gloom of the cabin abruptly shook off sleep. They passed from an amazed incredulity to a malicious triumph. So you've come to old Doug, have you, my pretty? a heavy voice jeered. The girl writhed and twisted regardless of the pain, exerted every muscle of the strong young arm and shoulder. As well, she might have tried to beat down an iron door with her bare hands as to hope for escape from his strong grip. He made a motion to draw her closer. Joyce flung herself back and sank down beside the bunk, straining away. "'Let me go!' she cried, terror rampant in her white face. "'Don't touch me! Let me go!' The force of her recoil had drawn him to his side. His cruel, mirthless grin seemed to her to carry inexpressible menace. Very slowly, while his eyes taunted her, he pulled her manacled wrist closer. There was a swift flash of white teeth. With a startled oath, Doble snatched his arm away. Savage as a tigress, Joyce had closed her teeth on his forearm. She fell back, got to her feet, and fled from the house. Doble was after her on the instant. She dodged around a tree, doubled on her course, then deflected toward the corral. Swift and supple though she was, his long strides brought him closer. Again she screamed. Doble caught her. She fought in his arms, a prey to wild and unreasoning terror. "'You young hellcat, I'm not going to hurt you,' he said. What's the use of acting crazy? He could have talked to the waves of the sea with as much effect. It's doubtful if she heard him. There was a patter of rapid feet. A small body hurled itself against Doble's leg and clung there, beating his thigh with a valiant little fist. You let my sister go! You let my sister go! the boy shouted, repeating the words over and over. Doble looked down at Keith. What the hell? he demanded, amazed. The Mexican came forward and spoke in Spanish rapidly. He explained that he could not have prevented the boy from coming without arousing the suspicions of his sister and her friends. The outlaw was irritated. All this clamor of fear annoyed and disturbed him. This was not the scene he had planned in his drink-inspired reveries. There had been a time when Joyce had admired the virile force of him, when she had let herself be kind to him under the impression she was influencing him for his good. He had misunderstood the reaction of her mind, and supposed that if he could get her away from the influence of her father and the rest of his enemies, she would again listen to what he called reason. "'All right. You brought the brat here without orders. Now take him home again,' directed Doble harshly. Otero protested fluently with gestures eloquent. He had not yet been paid for his services. By this time Malapi might be too hot for him. He did not intend ever to go back. He was leaving the country pronto, muy pronto. The boy could go back when his sister went. His sister's not going back. Soon as it gets dark, we'll travel south. She's going to be my wife. You could take the kid back to the road and leave him there. Again, the Mexican lifted his hands and shoulders while he pattered volubly, trying to make himself heard above the cries of the child. Doug had silenced Joyce by the simple expedient of clapping his big hand over her mouth. Doble's other hand went into his pocket. 
he drew out a flat package of currency bound together with rubber bands. His sharp teeth drew off one of the rubbers. From the bundle he stripped four fifty-dollar bills and handed them to Otero. "'Peel this kid off my leg and hit the trail, Juan. I don't care where you leave him so long as you keep an eye on him till afternoon.' With difficulty the Mexican dragged the boy from his hold on Doble and carried him to a horse. He swung to a saddle, dragged Keith up in front of him, and rode away at a jog-trot. The youngster was screaming at the top of his lungs. As his horse climbed toward the notch, Otero looked back. Doble had picked up his prisoner and was carrying her into the house. The Mexican formulated his plans. He must get out of the country before the hue and cry started. He could not count on more than a few hours before the chase began. First, he must get rid of the child. Then he wanted to go to a certain tender home where he would meet his sweetheart and say good-bye to her. It was all very well for Doble to speak of taking him to town or to the road. Juan meant to do neither. He would leave him in the hills above the jackpot and show him the way down there, after which he would ride to meet the girl who was waiting for him. This would give him time enough to get away safely. It was no business of his whether or not Doble was taken. He was an overbearing brute, anyhow. An hour's riding through the chaparral brought him to the watershed far above the jackpot. Otero picked his way to the upper end of a gulch. Lisi, muchacho, go down, down, down. First the gulch, then a canyon, then the jackpot. You go on this trail. He dropped the boy to the ground watched him start, then turned away at a Spanish trot. The trail was a rough and precipitous one. Stumbling as he walked, Keith went sobbing down the gulch. He had wept himself out, and his sobs had fallen to a dry hiccup. A forlorn little chap, tired and sleepy, he picked his way among the mesquite, following the path along the dry creek bed. The cat-claw tore his stockings and scratched him. Stone bruises hurt his tender feet. He kept traveling because he was afraid to give up. He reached the junction of the gulch and the canyon. A small stream, which had survived the summer drought, trickled down the bed of the ladder. Through tangled underbrush, Keith crept to the water. He lay down and drank, after which he sat on a rock and pitied himself. In five minutes he would have been asleep if a sound had not startled him. Someone was snoring on the other side of the mesquite thicket. Keith jumped up, pushed his way through, and almost stumbled over a sleeping man. He knelt down and began to shake the snore. The man did not awaken. The foghorn in his throat continued to rumble intermittently, now in crescendo, now in diminuendo. "'Wake up, man!' Keith shouted in his ear in the interval between shakes. The sleeper was a villainous-looking specimen. His face and throat were streaked with black." There was an angry wheel across his cheek. One of the genus tramp would have scorned his charred clothes. Keith cared for none of these details. He wanted to unload his troubles to a grown-up. The youngster roused the man at last by throwing water in his face. Shorty sat up, at the same time dragging out a revolver. His gaze fastened on the boy after one swift glance around. "'Who's with you, kid?' he demanded. Keith began to sniffle. "'Nobody.' "'What are you doing here?' "'I want my daddy.' "'Who's your daddy? What's your name?' "'Keith Crawford.' 
Shorty bit off an oath of surprise. How come you here? A man brought me. The rustler brushed the cobwebs asleep from his eyes and brain. He had come up here to sleep undisturbed through the day and far into the night. Before he had two hours of rest, this boy had dragged him back from slumber. He was prepared to be annoyed, but he wanted to make sure of the facts first. As far as he understood them, the boy told the story of the night's adventures. Shorty's face grew grim. He appreciated the meaning back of them far better than the little fellow. Keith's answers to his questions told him that the men figuring in the episode must be Doble and Otero. Though the child was a little mixed as to the direction from which Otero had brought him, the man was pretty sure of the valley where Doble was lying hid. He jumped to his feet. We'll go, kid. To Daddy? Not right away. We gotta hurry up business first. I want to go to my Daddy. Sure, soon as we can. But we'll drift over to where your sister's at first off. We're both wore to a frazzle, maybe, but we gotta trail over and find out what's biting Doug. The man saddled and took the up-trail, Keith clinging to his waist. At the head of the gulch, the boy pointed out the way he and Otero had come. This confirmed Shorty's opinion as to the place where Doble was to be found. With the certainty of one who knew these hills as a preacher does his Bible, Shorty wound in and out, always moving by the line of least resistance. He was steadily closing the gap of miles that separated him from Doug Doble. End of chapter 42